This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Wednesday morning, everybody. I am Glenn Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I am Jamie Jennings in Phoenix, Arizona, and you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for May 2nd, episode 1925, brought to you by Horselovers.com. Good morning, Horse World. Horse racing in Kentucky is rich in history, dating back to 1789 when the first race course was laid out in Lexington. It was almost 100 years later in 1875 that Churchill Downs officially opened and began its tradition as the home of the Kentucky Derby. While traveling in England and France in 1872 and 73, 26-year-old Colonel Meriwether Lewis Clark devised the idea of a Louisville Jockey Club for conducting race meets. Upon his return from Europe, Clark began development of his racetrack, which would serve to showcase the Kentucky breeding industry. The track would eventually become known as Churchill Downs, 80 acres of land approximately three miles south of downtown were leased from Clark's uncles, John and Henry Churchill. For his inaugural race meet, Clark created three major stakes races, the Kentucky Derby, Kentucky Oaks, and Clark Handicap, all modeled after three premier races in England, the Epsom Derby, Epsom Oaks, and the St. Ledger. The track formally opened May 17, 1875, with four races scheduled. The winner of the first race was Bonaventure. However, the winner of the day's featured event, the Kentucky Derby, was a three-year-old chestnut colt named Aristides. A new grandstand was unveiled in 1895, topped by two spires. They came to be known as the Twin Spires, a simple architectural element, and would become the symbol of Churchill Downs and the Kentucky Derby. As the Kentucky Derby grew in popularity, so did the racetrack. Since opening in 1875, Churchill Downs has continued to evolve undergoing many renovations while embracing the future of horse racing. But as thousands visit these hallowed grounds each year, the history, traditions, and mystique of Churchill Downs remain true as one of the most legendary horse tracks in the world. Welcome to Churchill Downs. It's Kentucky Derby Day, and we're at Churchill Downs in Louisville with a record crowd watching 20 of America's leading three-year-olds parade to the post. They're up! Keep your eye on the horse moving out from the inside rail into the lead. That's War Admiral. Inside, there goes Raymond Earl, and Affirmed is right there and challenging the twin horses. On the rail, and it's also moving up. Then it's six lengths back to the next horse, Sir Sir. Head of the stretch. For the moment, Seattle still still battling it out together. And here's from Dusty Run now, closing ground and moving in the third. Here's second as they approach that half-mile pole going into that far turn. Sweet Northern Saint has picked his way through the pack. He's down on the inside for it. Barbaro in the clear, poised as they move into the far turn. And he's moving up to be fourth now. And then Colonel John, Colonel John comes on the scene late as the field turns for home at the top of the stretch. And it is Big Brown who rolls open now to a three-lane play. Shines right in the Kentucky Derby! Commanding her 
into the stretch, and it's American Pharoah who has taken the lead on the outside. In between horses, it's firing line. Dortmund is down at the rail as they come into the final furlong. American Pharoah, firing line, not done yet. And these two come into the final 16th. It's American Pharoah in front, firing line. Dortmund is third, Frosted is fourth, coming to the finish. American Pharoah and Victor Espinosa have won the Kentucky Derby. stretch and it's Nyquist. Nyquist has taken the lead on the outside. Gunrunner second at the rail. Five lengths back to Destin in third and they come to the final. Furlong Exaggerator is closing in. Nyquist to catch with a 16th to go. Gunrunner Exaggerator on the outside. Nyquist and Exaggerator. They're coming to the line together and Nyquist is still unbeaten. He has won the Kentucky Derby. And Classic Empire is beginning his charge, and he's coming wide as they turn for home, and it is always dreaming in front, always dreaming with Battle of Midway a length and a half behind as they come into the final furlong. Looking at Lee is making a bid now, through on the inside, up into second, always dreaming with a two and a half length lead of 16th to go. Looking at Lee is second, then comes Battle of Midway, Classic Empire, they're coming to the line, and the dream comes true. Always dreaming has won the Kentucky Derby. Oh my god, if you don't have goosebumps, <laughs> you don't have a like some sort of back part of your brain you're missing. I don't know. That's ridiculous. Ah, that's so good. And just so you know, Glenn, check your text messages because my friend is on the backside of Churchill Downs right now and is continually texting me photos of all the horses the derby contenders as i'm listening to that i'm like oh my god who are we gonna hear next year is it gonna be justify or you know like who to Boldoro? who's gonna be our winner so we're going to cover a lot of that today and um we've got one of my favorite people on scott jagal from the pollock report is going to talk to us about it we're gonna have like a professional take on things I, I I just saw your pictures. It looks like it's bath time at the track. They're all lined yes. up getting baths. <laughs> oh, God. It's so exciting. I'm like, send me more pictures. Send me more pictures. Oh, wait, just send me another one. Let's see. Who is this? Uh, Vino Rosso. He just sent me. Oh, my God. It's like, it's better than pictures of celebrities. You know what I mean? Yes, like, it is. Well, these are celebrities anybody. for us. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are going to have that and a lot more coming up. Uh, Jemmy, why don't you tell us what is coming up on today's show? Hi, by the way. Good morning. Sure. Hi. Good morning. (laughs) On today's show, we start the show with a horse health report with Chris of International Animal Health, taking a look at the revolutionary new way to take care of worms. Then Jamie shares bad advice for horse people, by horse people, a crowd favorite. And of course, we're going to talk about this weekend's big race, the Kentucky Derby. Jamie fills us in on the field. And then, as Jamie mentioned, Scott from the Pollock Report gives us all the details on the favorite. Jamie finishes off the show with Chapter 26 of the Opium Equation, so you don't want to miss any of it. It's a packed show, as always, today, guys. I'm speaking of today. Today is Brothers and Sisters Day. So if you have a brother and or sister, be sure to show them love and pick on them a little extra today, guys. Is that different from Sibling Day? Yeah, I thought there was a sibling day. I think day. so. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Aren't all siblings really brothers or sisters in one form or another? I mean... <laughs> 
And today was also like 18 different versions of a baby day. Baby this, baby that. So I just went with Brothers and Sisters Day. (laughs) (laughs) Just seemed the simpler. (laughs) All right, Daily Winnie time. Well, I have two Daily Winnies today, actually. I have a big congratulations to Samantha and Morgan. They got married at Land Rover, Kentucky over the Yay! weekend. Oh, my God. How cute were they? They both yes. wore, like, riding outfits, <laughs> like, boots cute. and breeches and show coats. Ah! It was adorable. Well, Samantha, she's been on the show before. If you remember, right, she rides side saddle. And is a big side. And she was an outrider at Rolex for the last number of years. Well, at, sorry, Land Rover, for the last number of years. And <laughs> she is also also going to be joining us on Friday morning because she also rides in the Kentucky Derby Parade and helps out there. So she's going to tell us all. We've never talked about the parade, I don't think. So she's going to tell us all about the parade. She'll be coming on Friday morning. But congratulations to the both of them. How cool is it that they got married there? Uh, That's amazing. Yep. And then also, I want to say thank you to Susan Summers Harmon for the great shirt she sent me yesterday. She actually designed, and it's really cool. I'll take a picture of it and post it on Horses in the Morning. She designed a shirt that says America's Horse Husband, and it has a little graphic in the middle. It's really cool. So thank you so much. Yeah, that was really cool of her to do. And she sent one for Jennifer, too. So we, not not America's Horse Husband, a different one. I was going to say, does it say America's No, it's a different one. (laughs) I was wondering. But thank you. I've never had an America's Horse Husband shirt before. So Did you that's say perfect. a horse husband's boss? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, thank you to S- Susan. That was very kind of her to do. Um, all right, your turn. Uh, now I've got to give my, I'm, I'm calling an audible here and changing my daily Winnie to, uh, the, the guy who's sending me all these messages, his name is Jack brothers and he works for hidden Brook farm. And he is, he's an owner of racehorses too. And he's on the backside and I'm going to post all these pictures on our horses in the morning, Facebook page, like right now, because he is sending me horses, every one of the, I said, Oh yeah, send me some pics. Oh my gosh. I have like 47 pictures now. So I have to share them all with you guys. So I'll send them, I'll put them on our horses in the morning Facebook page. So the horse is getting baths and the horse is kind of out on the track. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And uh, you guys get to see it. I have to share. Jemmy, have you ever watched the Kentucky Derby? Do I really need to answer that question? <laughs> okay, no, well, that would be a no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What? You've never watched the Kentucky Derby? This is not like a horse people thing. This is like a drunk girl in heels kind of sport. You've yeah, never I seen it? the drunk girl part, but not the in heels part. I just don't really mix for me. I don't need to get, well, I don't need a big old floppy hat to make, you know, go and have a good time. I just don't really get it. But I get that people get have it. Have you ever watched so a really horse race? This weekend. Uh. <laughs> oh my god this is your next it's a review coming right up we need to talk about this this is your next finding florida episode right here jimmy at the races oh that'd be perfect oh, we gotta... well i can i can i can call out glenn right now because actually we were going to do something like that but he talked me out of it so i'm calling you out glenn well we're just gonna have to make mm-hmm. a special day of that we'll have to give her the whole experience <laughs> we'll have to go backside and have her clean a stall and then you know we'll have to do the whole day 
Uh, what do you think? Gulfstream Park, here um, we come. Wait yep. a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> but I mean, like, seriously. Took an ugly turn. <laughs> I get that you're not into horse racing, but to me, like, I, 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 every non-horse person I know calls me, like, the day before or the morning of the derby and, or texts me and says, who's the pick? You know, because they all like I'm like the one horse person that they all know. So I always have to have my picks lined up. I cannot believe the drunk uh, girl that she was earlier in her life. It was not in a bar during the Kentucky Derby when it was running. It's like a. You lived in New Orleans for four years. Let me stop. We're going to stop shaming you. What does have to do with it? We're going to stop shaming you for having no friends. It's okay. Somebody (laughs) is not. You need to hold it off off the air because you don't want it to take over the show. I'm completely expecting much more shame after we go off the air. Well, you have an assignment. This is why I love you guys. You guys are educating me in all things. 6.45 Saturday night. You have an assignment. Turn on NBC or record it and watch the two. Take it two minutes. It's two minutes. Jamie told me I don't have to watch the four, first four hours so i need clarification it's 6 45 am i going to see the two minutes of race or am i no that's about the time the race starts the actual coverage starts okay. about noon jennifer will be the one watching the coverage from about noon and along with jamie on but uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the commercials are really good too usually so they're all horsey are they really yeah they're all horsey you won't like them <laughs> <laughs> Well, all right. <laughs> all right. Let's. Uh, Forty-five. It is. <laughs> well, before we get into serious derby talk here about the contenders, we have to start thinking about our picks, and I have to look at the names to try and decide who I'm going to pick. And Jemmy, you will be required to pick three horses by the time this day is over because you won't be here on Friday. So we w- we need your picks I today. So have my pick. Start I looking at the list. It's beginners. Alone. It's beginners' luck too. She's gonna win yes. all of them. You should. We everybody. I'm gonna tell you right now. I don't know who she's gonna pick, but you should bet it because <laughs> right. she's the type of person who wins. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, now our first guest is coming to us uh, it's for our horse health report, and it's uh, some revolutionary new technology apparently coming out of Australia. We're all going to be learning about this together. They've been working on it since 1997, but it's finally hitting the market after all the testing and everything. So, And it's all about worms and a new way to treat worms. And we're going to get Chris on, who's from International Animal Health Products. But we have to do this on Skype, so we're just going to add him in live. Because he is in Australia. And I think it's like 3 in the morning there. So um, I'm actually surprised that we have him coming up. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, yeah, he might have zonked out on us. But I talked to him about a half an hour ago. Oh, no, it's only 11.15 p.m. Oh, it is? Hey, hey Chris, are you there? I'm here. What time is it there? It's uh, 11.15 p.m. Oh, so okay. Good, good well, that's morning not... to you and good... Good evening to us. Not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. Well, Chris, we you know, tell us about this uh, technology and what you have going on down there. It looks like you've been working on it for a long time. Oh, did we lose him already? I think he locked up on us. Jamie, are you oh, still there? No, I'm still here. Bummer. All right, let me try it one more time. Try it again. Okay. Let me see if we can get him back. You've got to tell him he's live, though, because Australians curse a lot. <laughs> I did. I did warn him with that. Chris, are you there? Uh, this figures. This is what happens when we try and do live calls to Australia. 
<laughs> my brother's going to Australia in like a month. He's just like by himself taking like a two week vacation to Australia. By himself? I'm so jealous. Yeah, by himself. <laughs> okay. Let me uh let me try him one more time. See uh poor guy probably stayed up for us and and now we can't get him back. Get him. I have a growth story about worms, but I don't think that's really the same thing. <laughs> I don't need to hear worm stories. I'm good. Because <laughs> yours will be human related. Yeah, we don't, don't want to do- hear it. No, we don't. Hear it. <laughs> Remember, I have a six year old, so yes. <laughs> oh, Chris, I'm so sad. Is he not there? I don't think so. No. I, I was having visions of his name is Chris and he's Australian. Hello. We were talking to Thor. Like we literally just had Thor on for like 10 seconds. Gosh. Yeah. I can't get him back. I don't know. And he's not even responding to text. So I think he's completely offline. All right. Well, we'll oh, get it. We'll try this Thor. for another time. Maybe we'll record it another time so we can uh, make sure we get him. Yeah. Sounds Ooh. good. We need to have. Uh, does that happen? Is he there? Hello. Yes, Are you I'm there? Here. Oh, good. I'm here. Yay. Yay. Okay. Yeah, maybe uh, you keep your video off. Maybe that'll help uh, keep our connection. I, that's exactly what I'm doing. Okay, good. All right. So I, I was saying that uh, this technology, you started working on it in 1997 from what I read, and it's just now coming to market. So tell us about it. What's going on? Okay. So in 1997, we... Um, commenced working with uh, an Australian government group, uh, research group called CSIRO, which, um, and they'd done a survey in the 1990s uh, looking at uh, fungi, and they came up with 25 strains of Duddingtonia flagrans. Um, and we selected one of those strains, which was um, the most robust, that could be fed to a grazing animal, um, and then travel through the digestive tract of the animal into the manure, uh, where when the conditions were right, the um, larvae start to move within the manure, they become active, and then the Duddingtonia says, I'm hungry, I'm looking for a food source, and they consume the uh, parasite larvae within the manure. So so this is a fungus of some sort, um, and... Yep. So so this isn't really killing worms in the digestive system. It's doing it on the other side. Yes. I mean, what when you use a chemical wormer, it actually expels, um, and, and that's what a wormer, the meaning of wormer is that it expels um, parasites from, from the host animal. This, the fungus, on the other hand, actually travels through the digestive tract into the manure and what it does is it prevents the larvae from getting back onto the pasture and recontaminating. Ah. So one of the issues that we face at the moment is we're very good at getting rid of worms within the animal, but then we turn it out onto pasture, which is contaminated, and they get infected again. And that's why some, we're, we're kind of getting wormer resistance now and, and having that trouble. So something like this helps uh, avoid that. Absolutely. I mean, this is a completely natural uh, product. I mean, we've basically taken the fungus from the pasture and we've just produced it in much larger quantities. Um, so we're, it's called a, an integrated pest management. So we're still going to use chemicals to, to get them out of the animal, but we're going to try and reduce the amount of reinfection in pasture. Ah, okay. So you'll still be using a wormer of some sort. 
Yes, but hopefully we, we over time we'll be able to if we can um, if we can feed it to animals when they're most at risk. Um, and really, what we're talking about is young animals. So any animal that's say, for example, been uh, a horse, a foal that's been weaned uh, through to about two years. Now, most animals, uh, and when I say most, if we're talking about sheep, cattle, or horses, they develop immunity. The only animal that doesn't actually develop immunity is goats. So these young animals are, are very susceptible. Um, so what we're trying to do is get them through that phase until they've got their own immunity. And, I mean, one of the great, um, I think, fallacies is probably a good word, is there's a perception out there that you've got to get all the worms out. Now, when we're worming an animal, it is better to leave some worms within the animal. So if we, if we remove, for example, 95%, you leave some residue uh, worms within the animal, it's going to help that animal build immunity. If you knock everything out, uh, you're really not helping the animal that much. Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way before. Did, is, did you do studies in that time that shows, okay, we use this product for a period of time, and did you actually study the pasture and discover that if we use it for this period of time over a five- or six-month period of time, then the amount of worms in the pasture is completely reduced? Is there a time frame there? Um, very good question. We used it in most of the species we use, and that's um, in horses, in uh, in goats and in cattle. We did basically eight-week trials. Uh, with sheep, we went out to four months because they're a lot more complicated animal. Um, and the other issue with sheep is that um, they've already got a much greater degree of resistance, although the horse industry is heading the same way. So, um, yeah, the longest period probably which was about four months uh, or 120 days. Now, that gave us pretty clear indication that a number of things occur in pasture. One is we get a cycling. So we don't, not every day will you find exactly the same number of um, larvae out there in the pasture. Um, also with uh, sheep, we grazed them for a period and then we took um, the, those sheep off the pasture and we introduced sheep that we knew had no worms and they worked like a vacuum cleaner where they went out there and they actually cleaned up what was on the pasture. And then we were able to, um, uh, they were sacrificed, those animals, and we looked at what their, their gut contents were and we counted the number of resistant um, and, and sort of the other larvae that were in the gut. Hmm. Wow. So you, you, you've done a ton of research with this. Is this a feed-through product? Yeah, feed-through product. Yeah, it'll come in a supplement uh, form um, where you feed it each day. Um, it depends It depends a lot on the we, – we encourage people to do fecal, what we call fecal egg count uh, tests. Right. So what they do is they take a sample of the manure of the animal. Right. They send it off and they find out how many eggs are actually in that manure. They That then gives them the – they're able to make a decision then to worm precisely when to worm that animal. Now, if they've got very low counts, we suggest them not to worm. Oh, and then just use this product. Well, they can then use this product or they can wait to worm, say, a month later because they've got the, the science and they've got the, their timing is right. Right. There's no right. point using a worm if your animal doesn't have a, actually have any worms. Right. It has a very low worm burden. Hmm. 
Interesting. And now is this coming to market all across the world or just in Australia or what's the story? Okay, Australia and New Zealand are basically there. We've got we got registration in Australia about a month ago, and uh, we're just waiting on the final paperwork for New Zealand. The US uh, about mid May, we believe, will get registration, so it's only probably a week or so away. Um, we'll be looking for distributors uh, in the US, um, so we've got a bit of work to do there. So we're hoping to have a product in the US by about mid year. And because this is a fungus, it's all natural, right? I mean, it's a really natural yeah, product. One yeah. of the interest, one of the very interesting things about Duddingtonia flagrance is you can pretty much go anywhere in the world and you'll find Duddingtonia flagrance. Um, it has very little uh, uh, genetic variation. Um, we believe that um, it was transferred by livestock being moved from country to country. So it pretty much doesn't matter where you go, you're going to get dudding toenail. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I'm glad that somebody's uh, st- out there doing research on this problem. It's something that we all deal with. And I- I'm glad to see that you've- you're taking a different approach to it, too, um, and eliminating it basically at the source, which is the field. Uh, so really cool. Really cool well, this research. Has the, this, is the, this is the missing part of the puzzle. We've mm-hmm. been busy getting rid of it in the animal, but we haven't actually looked at the pasture, which is where the contamination right, is coming from. Right, where it starts in so the first not place. Actually, we're not targeting the, the, the source of the problem. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a real Band-Aid effect. Well, very cool. Where can people find it? Where can they learn more about it? Okay, so we have a dedicated website um, at duddingtonia.com. So that's D-U-D-D-D. I-N-G-T-O-N-I-A dot com. All right, very good. And we'll post a link to that in our show notes as well. Thank you so much for staying up late for us, and uh, we'll look forward (laughs) to hearing more about this. Thank you very much indeed. You have a great day. All right, thanks, Chris. Bye. Thank you. Bye. There you go. That's something I've, I've, that's obviously new. That's not something I've seen at all on the market before. No, I mean, it's hard to wrap your brain around, uh, especially you did a great job of explaining it. But still, I was like, okay, wait, hold on. So what? the worm pops out and then this fungus eats the worm after it's out. That's what I got. That's pretty good. That's what I got. <laughs> or the larvae, actually, not the worm, but and the larvae. The, the, yeah. the fungus, you actually feed your horse the fungus. I wonder how palatable it is, but, you know. I know, because I mean, when we think of fungus, I think like the green stuff that grows on rocks. You know, but I'm sure. See, I think mushrooms, and I hate mushrooms. I don't so. like mushrooms either. So, <laughs> Jamie, you love mushrooms, don't you? Right? I do. See, yeah, how did I know? <laughs> yeah, but she also has never watched the Kentucky, Kentucky Derby. Derby so she yeah, doesn't so. get to talk for at least five more minutes because I'm still spinning from that. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'm not mad. I'm I'm happy that we're opening doors for you. Okay, That's right. we're, get, we're I appreciate you know, it. I appreciate. Look at it. all I'm those things. The cultural experience. Look at all those things it she's going to learn. Hey, uh, now. Oh, go ahead. Over on uh, horse they have a bunch of Rio Vista products on sale right now. Just oh my see. God! Stop it! Because we just got our tax return back, and Chad already was like, "Oh, what are you going to do with the tax return?" And I was like. I don't know. What are we, how much did we get? <laughs> did he put you? Did he put a limit on? You're not allowed to go on to horse lovers. Did he say that? Um, 
I, I, you know what? I don't ask questions and then I don't get any answers. <laughs> well, they have a ton of stuff over there right now, obviously. They have the deals of the day and the flash sales and everything, but there's up to 90% off on the Rio Vista products, which I, and, and absorbing products, which I know a lot of our listeners use. Uh, so they got like the shampoo for $6 down from 16 They And they have, and Jennifer, when she does this, they have the uh, show sheen. Everybody uses Shoshin at some point or another, right? For 10 bucks a bottle. Um, and they, they also have the sampler packs and they have the, uh, the, all the different kinds of shampoos because they have the black shampoo and the burgundy shampoo and the red shampoo. They have all the different shampoos. What if you have a paint horse? I don't do know what you do. I, do you have to have like four sponges and you just scrub the area that requires the white? The and, high black burgundy yeah, shampoo exactly. that they have is like only Sorry. chili's dark is spots, it, and then like the whitening is only on the white spots. God. Is it like when you used to when you were a kid and you got the paint brushes and the little paint by lines, you know, where you had to paint in the lines in the. What if you had an Overo? Oh my gosh, a splash <laughs> Overo. What if you oh. have an Appaloosa that has spots everywhere? Oh like, <laughs> yeah. Do you, you mix well, shampoos? You know what? You can you can try it right now because this stuff is so cheap. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Now's your chance. So Jennifer always buys like a case of it, so she gets free shipping because you know shipping on shampoo could be expensive. So she always likes buys a case of it. And then we have enough. She oh does gosh. that with fly spray. And the other thing, she gets fly products from uh, horse lovers because they are so inexpensive. And she yeah. does buy enough for the whole season. She just buys a hundred dollars worth, and they were good for the whole season. So, oh my gosh! They also have the Gatsby Lycra overstock you can buy a lycra flame bodysuit for scooter for 35 dollars. Oh, no. wouldn't he look cute in head that? neck full body everything he would look cute in that he would look a, so cute they have a leopard print oh my god thor needs one of these uh my giant <laughs> scare the neighbor horses <laughs> that's super cool they're okay. like 35 bucks. These things are expensive usually. The Lycra. The braid and tail covers are $5 right now. Saddle covers are $5. <laughs> Who does it? I got to get myself a flame saddle cover. You know, one Ugh. of these days you're going to come home and Chad is going to have blocked the website and you won't be able to get to it on your computer. You realize, <laughs> Let sir. me see him try. Let me see him try. <laughs> He'll give, one of these days you're going to come home and it's going to say, that website no longer available to Jamie. Horse lovers with a Z dot com. <laughs> All right. Uh, we are going, before we get into our coverage of the Kentucky Derby, we have something else to do, don't we? We do. And now it's time for bad advice for horse people by horse people. That's right. Thank you, Chad. Um, so this comes from, th- this is actually from a, you guys. There's no way any of you have seen this before, unless you live in Southern California. Just giving you a little hint there. But this is a this is a website where you sell horses. Horses for sale. This is a horse for sale website. Okay. Here's the person asking for advice. My poor guy is lame on his right front foot. He limps pretty bad. I have soaked it and given him like Three, and it says say like, so I'm not exaggerating here. (laughs) I have soaked it and given him like three different things for this and his weight loss. He is 28. I have like been doing red cell weight gain supplement, corn oil, and MSM. I have also been doing all he wants in grass hay. And I've been doing a sweet cob with a weight gain grain mix, dot, 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 brownie face. I am like 
heartbroken as I've had him for over 12 years and I am not ready to say goodbye. Does anyone know what's wrong with him or why his foot is swollen and he is lame? How old was he again? 28. Okay. Okay. This is a horse for sale website. And you talked about how he has a, he's lame and like, like anybody's going to diagnose him. Obviously you would get no comments on this because who's going to diagnose a swollen foot, which by the way, is a, there's a picture of a foot. I don't see anything. It's just a really hairy foot that they have. There's no picture of his like weight loss body or anything like that. So clearly no one's going to give you advice, right? That's hilarious. Hey, horse person, don't tell me what to do with my horse. Okay. (laughs) That's that no one ever. Um, Okay. So we're just going to start. Mine would be call the vet. Maybe start. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. The the first one I will use is um, she's feeding all that crap. She can afford to call the vet. (laughs) Call a vet or a farrier is number one answer. Ding, ding, ding. Call a vet or a farrier. I would call the vet because the vet will tell the farrier what to do. All right. So then we move on. Don't use corn oil. Use flax oil. Okay. <laughs> We're going to argue about what oil. <laughs> Again, this is a 28-year-old horse that like, can't walk, and it's skinny. And so these are the answers. And I've condensed the answers because you know horse people will never give you just a one word or one no. sentence answer. No, these are paragraphs. paragraphs but yeah. We don't have time for that. Um, your horse is club-footed, so you need to try natural balance shoes. The next one. The down, horse is twenty eight. The next one down <laughs> says, "I'd pull the shoes, pull those shoes for blood flow." The next one is, "He has a knot just below his knee. He just hurt himself. Give him less space and give him butte and banamine." No, <laughs> don't do any of these things. Let me tell you right now, if you're listening to the show, don't do any of these things. Okay. Um, Call the vet. <laughs> that's a soft tissue injury. No forced exercise. Again, it is a photo of a leg that's really hairy. <laughs> you cannot diagnose this. Uh, cut the oil and all grain. You're lucky he hasn't foundered. The next one is he is so lucky to have an owner like you, but call a vet. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best answer right there. The owner update. Okay. Then, then the owner comments, he got trimmed too short four months ago. Um, <laughs> next one, put him on alfalfa pellets. Next one, put him on coconut oil and turmeric spelled wrong and butteless butte. Next one. Have you, oh, hi buddy. Have you tested his souls? He has an abscess. The next one, get x-rays. Next one. He could have an abscess or it could be the feed. He may have lost his back teeth, so don't give him any more hay. <laughs> Only soaked pellets. Now we're we're losing his back teeth from a foot picture? Yeah, yeah. from a foot picture. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. Add aspirin to his diet until the vet can come out. Yeah, don't do that. Don't do don't that. give your horse yeah. aspirin. No, don't do I that. I mean, horses can have aspirin, but it needs to be prescribed by a veterinarian. Uh, next one, give him one tablespoon of turmeric and one tablespoon of ginger, AM and PM, and then give him teff hay for extra protein. Oh, is your, hold on. Is, is yeah. he okay over there? <laughs> sounds sounds like uh, Jamie's son's. Uh, Got something stuck. He has a cold. <clears throat> He's got a cold. Oh, okay. a cold. Uh, he needs turmeric and ginger and teff hay. Um, next one. Add ride bran. 
pour P-O-O-R it to him. Also, rolled molasses and alfalfa puts weight on quick twice a day. Good Lord. Now, you will founder this horse. <laughs> <laughs> Next one. He needs Equiox. Next one. Do not use Equiox. Put him on <laughs> Put him on Thunder Mountain Minerals. I can't make this stuff up, you guys. I never heard the of Thunder one. Mountain this Minerals. This is a photo of a foot. The next one. Get Super Brand Bodybuilder. Next one. Maybe he has a bone chip or ring bone. Next one. Butte until the vet comes out. Next one. Don't butte until the vet comes out. <laughs> next one. He's 28. Just leave him. Next one. <laughs> Feed diatomaceous earth and peppermints. Next one. <laughs> what? Shrimp a foot. Next one. Get him massages. And then On his the foot? Final one. Yeah. The final one. Call the vet and end his suffering. You owe him that. <laughs> like, Whoa. <laughs> kill him. Just kill him. <laughs> he, probably, he probably stepped. You know, he probably sprained an ankle. He'd be fine. But Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Don't listen to any of this. <sighs> oh, it just kept like I had to stop taking screenshots because I kept getting up like bing updates on my on my Facebook page, and it was because somebody else had commented. I was like, "There's no way anybody's going to comment on this because there's no way that you can diagnose anything on a picture of a foot." <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, while Jamie gets ready to go over all the horses, all the 20 horses in this race, she's going to give us a quick preview. To, and then we're going to talk to Scott, who's going to like give us the real story. Um, we're going to do our kind of preview, like, oh, that's a cool name. Uh, that's the kind of preview we'll give you. And then Scott will come on and actually give a real preview. But uh, while we're doing that, while she's getting ready, instead of a song today, I have a story that we did over on the rest of the scoop, over on the Stable Scoop show, that directly relates to what we're talking about today today and let's take a listen to that and we'll be back for jamie's overview the first of his kind by biz stam oliver was much like the other stable boys in the late 1800s he began work around horses at a young age bucking stalls grooming and eventually exercising the powerful thoroughbreds spending so much time around the stable at such a young age gave oliver a sixth sense with horses but Oliver's employer, Hal McGrath, would never acknowledge his talent. McGrath was a gambling man, and after winning $105,000 in a single night at his New York gambling house, he built McGrathiana Farm, a thoroughbred breeding for the training facility outside of Lexington, Kentucky. McGrath had no love for the horses on his farm or the people who cared for and rode them. In fact, he openly bragged about working both men and horses into the ground. To him, they were not living beings. They were nothing more than cards to stack and dice to roll in pursuit of the big jackpot. Oliver was 19 years old when McGrath assigned him the position as key jockey for a race at a newly opened racetrack. His mount, a chestnut colt with a white star and two hind socks, was one of two entered by McGrath. Despite the colt having an impressive pedigree, he was fold late in the season, barely breaking 15 hands, and wasn't thought to be much of a contender. But this was horse racing, and anything could happen. The other horse bred by McGrath, an impressive bay colt, was thought to be the stronger of the two horses. It was a beautiful day for a race on May 17th, with the perfect conditions promising a lightning-fast track. 
Oliver arrived at the track to find an enormous throng of spectators in attendance to watch the inaugural running of this stakes race. In the new modern saddling paddock of one of the most beautiful racetracks in the country, the Chestnut Colts trainer instructed Oliver to break fast and push the pace of the other 13 horses in the field in order to set McGrath's other horse up from a come-from-behind wind. He was called the Rabbit. Oliver did as instructed and broke fast on the small chestnut colt, but as he ducked his head to determine the placement of the rest of the field, he noticed that the impressive bay, the one for who he was setting the pace, had broken quite slowly and was trailing the rest of the field. The little chestnut was unrelenting, and his lead continued to increase. It became clear that the bay had no chance of catching up. Oliver, knowing that his colt was not supposed to be the winning horse, looked to McGrath on the rail for instruction, and McGrath shouted, Go on! The small but mighty chestnut colt thundered down the home stretch, holding off the few horses that dared to challenge him. Oliver Lewis and his chestnut colt flew under the wire with a length to spare, winning the very first running of a race that would one day become known as the most exciting two minutes in sports. Aristides won the first Kentucky Derby. Despite the fact that Oliver's expert riding played an enormous role in Aristides' win, McGrath took all the credit, claiming that his exclamation, Go on! was the sole cause of victory. That's the way it had always been. A slave owner took credit for the accomplishments of his slaves. And while Oliver was technically free, his position in society after generations of oppression meant much like the chestnut colt he rode to victory, the cards were stacked against him. African-American Oliver Lewis went on to win many more races, but because he was seen as little more than an accessory to the horses he rode and a commodity to his employers, very few records were kept on his life. The records that do exist show that he went on to be a very successful jockey with many wins to his name, though it is doubtful he was given much credit for the wins during his lifetime. Today, though much has changed for the better, there is still plenty of work to be done in racing and society as a whole. Though it is important to keep in mind that amazing things can happen when a long shot, someone who has been told they aren't supposed to win, pours their heart and soul into the task at hand. And that uh, story was written by Biz Stam, who also writes for Eventing Nation and Horse Nation, and she's a listener to our show. So thank you, Biz, for, for that. And you can find more stories like that over on the Stable Scoop Radio Show. We start every Stable Scoop Radio Show now with a rest of the story. All right, are you ready? I'm okay. So, uh, um, I yeah, I guess so. I mean, I I don't want to take anything away from Scott. So yeah, but kind of figured... we we need to go down through the each each horse uh, real quickly because Scott's only going to talk about. A few horses. He won't go through the whole list. And okay, so I'll just give you a brief yeah. overview of yeah. like who everybody. Because you got to remember, a lot of our listeners. This is the only. They're waiting for us. This is the only time they hear about the horses. So, okay. Well, I mean, do you want like the career record? No, and no, no. Let's just do a little bit, like figures. we usually do. We'll talk about okay. the important stuff, like uh, what a cool name that is. Because I was like ready to give you the dirt until, you know, Scott came in, stole everything from me. Fine. (laughs) Go ahead. Let's run through it. And and we will say that they did pick the order, uh, the 
post position. So um, those have been picked at this point. I know. I watched that online. It was really fun. So they did the post positions live yesterday. And also then they did the morning line odds. So I've got the odds and the post positions. Wait a minute. One second. Uh, Jemmy, post positions means which hole they go in in the starting gate. Thank you. I actually know that already. Okay, good. (laughs) We're not dumbing this down for Jemmy. Okay. She needs to keep up. Okay, <laughs> the first horse uh, in the one hole, which is the one post position nobody wants. Okay, nobody wants the one spot because that's right along the rail. Right along the rail, there's 20 horses, 19 horses to your right, and everybody's rushing for the rail. So unless you break huge and fast and clean, then you're kind of screwed. Yeah. Uh, so the one hole is Forense Fire. Horses have won from this hole before. I think 17 is the only one nobody's won from ever. Forense Fire is at 50 to 1. Jockey Paco Lopez, trainer Jason Service. And um, basically, it's just, he's a really pretty bay horse, won a bunch of races last year, and um, is going to be his first derby for the jockey and the trainer and the owner. So that's kind of cool. You don't see too many first timers. Uh, so kind of the word on him is that he's not going to have the stamina, which is why he's probably 50 to one. And he's Jason service. The, um, is the brother of trainer John service who won 2004 with Smarty Jones. So it's apparently runs in the family, the training business. That's really cool. That's cool. Um, free drop Billy is in the two hole. He's, he is going off at 30 to one. Dale Romans is the trainer. Robbie Alvarado is the owner. Um, and let's see what, what can I say about him? He has had eight starts already. He won last June, but really hasn't really won any huge races since then. Again, he is 30 to one right now going off. Uh, you know what his thing is? He has a tendency apparently to lather up before the races, like get totally lathered up. So it's disconcerting apparently for a lot of people. And uh, Roman said, I really wish he wouldn't do that. <laughs> no kidding. But, but that's him, I think, is what he finished it up with. Cool. <laughs> Uh, three hole promises fulfilled 30 to one. Corey Lannery is the jockey. The trainer is again, Dale Romans. And uh, he's run uh, five races already with three wins. He is a pace setter. That's kind of his thing. Now, what's really cool about him is his daddy is Shackleford. If you remember that big, beautiful chestnut that I think came in third in the Derby and ended up winning the Belmont. So he, his bloodlines would say he can go the distance. So okay. this is... Um, can I throw something in here on the, on the yeah, owner? Yeah, please. I like it. I'm liking all this. Okay, Robert Barron. How'd you grow up with the name Robert Barron? Robert Barron, Robert Barron, that had to be tough. And not only that, Robert Barron, uh, he grew up in upstate New York, and he runs a commercial construction business and two car dealerships. So uh, Robert Barron, Robert Barron, that had to be tough. I'm just saying. I wonder if he was Bobby Barron. (laughs) Yeah, I would have went with that rather than Robert Barron. I think so I'm going to have um, Scott describe what the speed figures are, but I definitely play that into my betting. Uh, and this horse has an incredibly high speed figure at 115. So we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, he is a pace setter, so he does kind of break off a little bit faster. Number four, 31, th- 30 to 1 is Flame Away. Jose Lescano is the jockey. The trainer is Mark Cass. Owner, John Oxley. This horse has run nine times already. 
by Scat Daddy, who you're going to hear a lot about in this Kentucky Derby because I think there's three Scat Daddy babies. And Scat Daddy passed away this past year. So it's kind of like the last group of Scat Daddies that, you know, maybe one more that we're going to see. And all of a sudden, he's the super hot sire. Uh, now, Flame Away is a pace setter. He'll be up front at the beginning. Um, I'm, he, the, the trainer has sent six horses to the Derby, or to the owner has. So uh, anything you got on him? Nope, not, don't have much. Five is Audible. Audible is at eight to one. So he's uh, one of the one of the closer up favorites, trained by Todd Pletcher, jockey Javier Castellano. Owners, there's more owners than you can even name. So <laughs> Equibase is 111, which was kind of impressive. His sire is Into Mischief, and he is a stalker and a closer. One That's of the kind of interesting one. things about the, <clears throat> one of the owners of this horse, there's many owners, but uh, one of the owners is the China Horse Club International, who actually owns a couple horses, and it's their first time bringing any horses to the Kentucky Derbies. And we talked about how the Chinese are really, really getting into horse racing, and this is just an indication. You know, we've seen we've seen the Arabs, a, a lot of Arabs in horse racing as owners, but, you know, the Chinese are starting to show up now. Um, and they started that, what, a couple of years ago. We started seeing them really get into it. Give us your money. We'll take it. <laughs> uh, six, six hole is good magic at 12 to one. Jockey Jose Ortiz, trainer Chad Brown. I, you know, you all know I have a little crush on Chad Brown. I love him. Uh, this horse has run five times and uh, speed figure 109. Now here's what's cool about him. He's a chestnut by Curlin and he looks like Curlin. <laughs> so pedigree is really really good the mare he's out of is called glinda the good which i've always i like that that's a good name and he won the eclipse award for two-year-old juvenile male after winning the breeders cup uh, last november yeah justify is number seven he is your morning line favorite there's something really special about this horse aside from his jockey Ugh, that's like the one thing that's making me not want to join. <laughs> Anybody have a guess who his jockey is? The one that Jamie yeah. loves the most. That's right. Mike Smith is his jockey. His trainer is Bob Baffert, which is cool, but like, you know, Mike Smith is the jockey. And do you know Mike's only won one Kentucky Derby? You, with his name, you think he'd won a hundred of them, right? But no, because he's always second. Okay. <laughs> I set you up so for that. You took it. What's really cool about Justify is he would be the horse, the first horse since like 1895 to win the Kentucky Derby, having not raced as a two-year-old. This horse did not race as a two-year-old. He started this year, three starts, three wins. Okay. That's unbelievable. And he's actually running great company. And guess who his daddy is? That's right. Scat daddy. Mama's by Ghost Zapper. So the bloodlines are there and crazy. And this horse is humongous and physically amazing and beautiful. And people are saying he's just like this monster out there. And he was like 1,300 pounds. I mean, he's huge, huge, huge racehorse. I think we're going to hear about him from Scott a little bit later on. Yes, too, I'm sure. that's right. Again, that's Justify Your Morning Line favorite at 3 to 1. Lone Sailor is in the 8 spot at 50 to 1. And his jockey is James Graham, trainer Tom Amos. And then owner is GMB Racing. His sire is Majestic Warrior, Mare Ambitious by Mr. Greeley, a beautiful bay horse with a star. Oh, he's so pretty. And um, he has 
run. Let's see. Eight starts, one win. And his owner is Gail Benson, who is the widow of Tom Benson. This is the connection here for Jemmy, uh, former owner of the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. So we have. A New I Orleans just owner. learned that there's an NBA team called the Pelicans. Yeah, I that ha- sounds. I had very to look strange. that up actually there to is? see which. I had to look it up to see which. <laughs> Chad just told me that last night. He was like, "Do you know who that is playing?" And I said, uh, "No." It was NOP, and I was like, what is NOP? New Orleans Pelicans. That was New what? Orleans Police. I didn't. <laughs> I, that's what I said. Uh, number nine in the nine hole at 20 to one is Hoffberg. Hoffberg, jockey Irad Ortiz Jr., trainer Bill Mott, owner Judd Mont Farms. I mean, you've got some pretty high up there trainers, owners, and jockeys. So. And the horse is by Tappet, which is one of the hottest sires. His running style is he's a closer. I think he's a good price at 20 to 1, actually, if you want to like play him in your tries or exactas. And um, he does have only three career starts as well, but he's actually kind of flying under the radar right now. So you can check him out. Again, that's Hoffberg at 20 to 1. All right. Hold on, I'm talking to Luke. Luke okay, and number 10 in the 10 slot, we have my boy Jack, who's uh, uh, Keith DeSormo, and jockey is Kent DeSormo. That's convenient, huh? Um, yeah, we've seen that <laughs> We've seen that coupling before. Yes, my we have. boy Jack is 30 to 1. And um, now you're going to love this one. I hate this. The owners, there's three owners, West Point Thoroughbreds, which is an ownership group, Monomoy Stable, and Don't Tell My Wife Stables. I love that name. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell, tell my, my wife stables. stables i love that okay creative <laughs> cause is the sire of this horse and um he has had 10 starts and three wins now number 11 we've talked a lot about him and i just can't not love this horse bolt de oro going off at eight to one bolt de oro hey he was actually named because his sire is medaglia del oro and they named him after Usain Bolt. So, I mean, come on. You're named after, like, the greatest runner, human runner. Bolt de Oro, jockey, you got to love it, Victor Espinoza. That's a big vote of confidence right there. He's raced six times, and he's won four, second and a third. One of those was in some dramatic traffic fashion where they rearranged everybody. Trained by Mick Ruiz, owned by Ruiz Racing, so kind of owner-trainer thing going on it's pretty cool so that is bolt d'oro you got anything about him Uh, other than we've talked a lot about him and we're gonna you're gonna hear all about him all day on saturday yeah true number 12 30 to 1 enticed junior alvarado kieran mclaughlin is the trainer and owner is godolphin stables six starts three first places out of those and a really high speed figure of 113 medaglia del oro so basically this is a half brother to bolt doro enticed and um you know it's interesting because godolphin stables is owned by sheikh muhammad and we've talked about that before but they have never finished in the money with 10 derby starters um which because you hear about godolphin a lot but I, i didn't realize that they had never finished in the money I think if you said that to him, he'd probably have you killed. I think so. I think I probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Go walk up to him and say, how come? you have-? Bravazo is in the 13 spot going off at 50 to 1. Louis Contreras is the jockey. The trainer is Dwayne Lucas and the owner. Check it out, you guys. 
Calumet Farm. That's and how right. is it every time we hear that anybody that's lived in Lexington, Kentucky has a soft spot and we all go, oh, I get Calumet. chills. I know. I get. Did you read the book about Calumet called yes. Wild Ride? Yes. Oh, my God. I, I, but, I'm, you know, I'm because when you fly, anybody coming to Lexington goes by the iconic fencing and the barns and you just go, you get, I get goosebumps right now thinking about Calumet. I do, but I also get like a really bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. I'm st- I'm not <laughs> no disrespect to the people that have it now, but man, that place was crazy. Um, <laughs> kind of jinx too, actually. Yeah, uh, eight yeah. starts, three wins. They have won some Kentucky Derbies. Uh, they're the most Calumet has the most wins of any racing stable. However, they have not won anything since the new guy runs it. Yeah, uh, Mendelssohn five to one. Jockey Ryan Moore, trainer Aiden O'Brien. And uh, Scat Daddy is the sire of Mendelssohn. Mendelssohn was the highest priced American yearling of 2016 at Keeneland sale for $3 million. Nice. At the yearling sale? Yep. 2016 yearling sale. He's out of, as you said, out of Leslie's Lady. Um, But yeah, better win some money back. (laughs) I think that he won... um, the uh, UAE Derby. So he's 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 won some big races, uh, but he still is only at five. Oh, he's at five to one. So he's one of the favorites. Instilled regard is in the fifteen hole by fifty to one. Doesn't that remind you of the movie too? We never hear fifty to one. Yes, I do. I, I do think like, of it, and oh, I think of how many long shots have won the Kentucky Derby. There's been quite a few. Mm-hmm. Instilled regard, fifty to one. Drayden Van Drake is the jockey. Jerry Hollendorfer is the trainer, and he has seven starts and two wins. And he is by Arch. Arch is his daddy. Uh, number sixteen, Magnum Moon at eight to one. Another one of the ones people are really talking about. Luis Saez is the jockey. The trainer is Todd Pletcher. The owners are Robert and Luana Lowe. Just. Those guys, that's cool. Malibu Moon is the sire, and um, he's a pace setter. He's going to be out, try to be out front. Terrific. We've got Salamini in the 17th spot at 30 to 1. Salamini, 30 to 1. Flavian Pratt is the jockey, trained by Bob Baffert, owner Zayat Stables, and then a whole bunch of other people. You know, the problem uh, I'm having here is there's no names that are really stand out like knockdown names. Well, we're not done yet. Salamini. Uh, Salamini is by Curlin, another Curlin baby. Guess what? He's chestnut. Um, <laughs> Vino Rosso, red wine, baby. Jean Velasquez, Todd Pletcher, Rapoli Stables. Rapoli Stables, of course, you guys know, <coughs> is the guy, Mike Rapoli, who invented vitamin water. So he's got some money. Yeah. 12 to 1, Vino Rosso. A chestnut by Curlin. Number 19, Noble Indy, jockey Florent Giroux, trainer Todd Pletcher, owners Windstar Farm and Rapoli Stables. That's right, Mike Rapoli has two horses in it this year, and uh, he is by Take Charge Indy. And finally, 20, Combatant. Combatant is 50 to 1. Uh, Ricardo Santana Jr. is the jockey. Steve Asmussen is the trainer. And the owner is Winchell Thoroughbreds and Willis Horton Racing. Seven starts, one win. And uh, 
by Scat Daddy, another one by Scat Daddy. The also eligible, so basically by Friday, if any of those horses drop out, Blended Citizen at 50 to 1 is going to be the, he's going to kind of come into whatever spot that is. Jockey Kyle Frey, Doug O'Neill, and owners, a uh, bunch of owners. And um, he is by Proud Citizen. You know, I'm looking at this list, and none of the names, because I always pick my name, are really jumping out at me as, oh, that's just the most unusual cool name. Maybe you should actually well, listen to Scott and make an educated pick. Well, you know, I am I have to go, you know, the favorite you talked about is Justify, but one of the other reasons I like Justify, I know you don't like because of Mike Smith, but one of the other reasons I like Justify is he didn't race as a two-year-old. I so I, I really like that, and that, you know, it would be, if he won, he's going to be the first uh, horse to win since 2008, Big Brown, who didn't race as a two-year-old, and maybe we can get that to become a thing. That's the only reason. Uh Sounds up. It sounds good to me. I know. I know how you <laughs> feel about that, and uh, I feel yeah. the same way. And I'm just going. You know, we got to start a trend, and the only way we're going to start the trend is if he actually wins. But then, you know, he's been read by Mike Smith, which means he'll come in second. So. He'd be in the, like the top two because well, he'll that, be second. Th- that's what'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be well, tough too. Well, let's get too. Scott on and have him tell us what we're gonna who we're gonna bet on. Hi, Scott. Thank you for joining us. Scott, of course, is from the Pollock Report. How are you? Doing great, Glenn. Appreciate having me on. No problem. We just ran down through the list of everybody and just did the basics, the very basics in our very poor way. And that's why we're having you on is to actually get the real, you know, the real scoop. First of all, answer, where (laughs) are you? Are you at Churchill right now? Uh, No, I'm heading out there uh, in a little bit. How how excited um, I, are you about this derby? Because there is there are there's not one horse to look at. There's so many good ones. Yeah, I you you just really everybody has sort of the same opinion and, and there's no way around it. This is definitely the best derby field in years based on the results of the prep races, the performances that were put in, uh, just uh, some of them dominating performances. I mean, Mendelssohn runs off by almost 19 lengths in the UAE Derby. Justify is unbeaten and, and looked a monster in the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, Magna Moon, unbeaten, won easily in the Arkansas Derby. So the list is, you know, it goes pretty deep. Probably seven or eight horses that are just really serious contenders, and that's very unusual. It absolutely is. So let's talk about, I'll, I'll say a name and you just kind of give us what you think. Let's start with the one hole, Forense Fire. Uh, no shot. I mean, I, okay. I wouldn't have given him a shot anyway, but when, when you get the one hole and you're not fast enough, no chance. <laughs> gotcha. Free drop Billy, number two. Well, I would give him an outside chance. Uh, a long shot to, you know, maybe clunk up late when the front runners get tired. I still think he's probably not fast enough. That two spot isn't ideal, but his stablemate promises fulfilled is next to him and promises fulfilled is definitely going to go. So he'll just kind of tuck in behind him on the, and get a kind of a rail trip, which will be good for him. So he's a, he's a, he's a long shot, but he's got, he's got some chance. All right, gotcha. And then you mentioned promises to fill. So we've got flame away in the four spot. And I think four on is where it kind of starts to, you've got a little bit better shot because you're not crammed on the rail. 
Yeah, and Flame Away is a pretty good horse. I would not sleep on him at all. He's one of those horses that just keeps going and uh, and shows up. I mean, he has five victories, and he's I, I don't I don't know what his worst performance is. I don't have it in front of me, but he's he always shows up. So he is definitely a long shot. I think can hit the board. Um, just one quick note on promises fulfilled. I mean, he's going to take the lead. And he's by Shackelford, and I think he's gonna—he's possibly gonna do exactly what Shackelford did in the Derby, which is take them a long way, mm-hmm. and then kind of in the middle of the stretch maybe fall off. I mean, oh, so it'll be promises fourth. unfulfilled, is what you're saying, Scott? But I'm bummed. Yeah, I just don't think he. Ha- I don't, I'm not sure he's gonna get a mile and a quarter, but he's—he's uh, he's, he's gonna be on the lead for a while. Gotcha. Flame, Flame Away is a Canadian bred, too, so I heard he's really nice in the stables. Because <laughs> all Canadians are <laughs> Yeah, he's very friendly. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> now, uh, a horse that's priced at 8 to 1 in the 5-hole is Audible. Yeah. Well, Audible is um, kind of, uh, pardon my pun, you haven't heard a whole lot about him uh, because of the noise for from all the other horses that are top contenders. Uh, so I think it's possible that people are sleeping on him because um, he won the Florida Derby just like Always Dreaming did, just like Big Brown did, and, and many other winners of the Kentucky Derby, and he won it impressively. The one knock on him is that he did get a really good pace set up in that race, and he took advantage of it. Um so that would be the one knock there. He he's not he is not to me, you know, like the number one contender. I would put him like fifth. So it, we were talking a little bit because there's a lot of speed figures, Equibase speed figures, and Bayer speed speed figures, and a lot of these horses have very impressive numbers. And I was thinking I'm going to have Scott explain what those numbers are. Can you take a, a second just to explain what speed figures are? Yeah, they're they're kind of trying to boil down the result of the race into one number, and it and the and the key part of it is, it's a comparison based on other results that particular day. So they take into consideration um, the track, how it was playing, and then you know I can't go into all the details of it, but then they come up with this one figure. And, uh, you know, they use a lot of different data to, to come up with it. It's, it's not just, you know, looking at the clock and how fast the horse ran. It's comparing it to the other results and how other horses ran that day on the same track under the same conditions and either giving like a boost to the number to say, this was really impressive because of these comparisons or, you know, detracting from it saying, well, the track was playing this way, so this figure really should be lower. Didn't you have Lots. the guy on who came up with that on, on your show around the track? Yeah, Andrew Beyer. Yes. Beyer Speed Figures. Yeah. yeah. He, he, was, he was on the podcast. And I should mention that Mendelssohn, who ran in the UAE Derby, um, you know, they gave him a figure, and they were very confident in it. Uh, and they based it on... Again, the other races that day, the other horses that ran that day and how they performed or how they generally do perform. And they came back with a figure that was one point, uh, within one point of Justify's figure in the Santa Anita Derby. 
And those two speed figures were clearly better than anyone else in the prep races. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Glenn, now you know why I asked Scott to explain the Yeah, because speed otherwise figures. we wouldn't yeah. have understood it at all. Because he was the expert because right. he'd already interviewed. Right? Yep, okay, did. so uh, moving on to number six, Good Magic, uh, trained uh, by Ch- Chad Brown. Uh, Good Magic, talk to us about him. Good Magic, uh, you know, his prep race in the bluegrass was not that impressive visually and on the clock either. Um, however, if you know anything about Chad Brown, he is really good at getting horses ready for the right race. And, of course, the right race is the Kentucky Derby, not the bluegrass stake. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be his third start off of a layoff, and he is, by all accounts he looks phenomenal he's going to run his biggest race of the year in the kentucky derby and at 12 to 1 right now he's at absolute steel good magic that's good magic in the sixth spot now we move on to number seven uh the horse everybody's talking about justify yeah i mean i don't know if you saw any pictures of him at churchill downs god he's amazing yeah he looks like a chiseled Greek God. I mean, it's just, <laughs> he, he couldn't look any better. I, I, and, and so I would say that if, if he runs to the way he looks, they're all running for second, but he's only raced three times. All of it was at Santa Anita. So he's only been on one track. He's never been really, you know, battle tested. So, and, and of course the curse of Apollo 1882, the last time a horse didn't run as a two-year-old and won the Kentucky Derby. So he's got a lot of, against him, but he's just so super talented that, uh, you know, you can see why people are, you know, most people are picking him to win. Well, that's what I'm wondering is why are people picking him to win when he's only had three races all at the same track on the West coast, just cause he's so pretty. Well, he looks great, but it's also his three races have been very impressive. All of them. He's done it with ease looking like he could, you know, he wasn't trying that hard. He's trained by Bob Baffert, of course, who's won the Derby four times, won the Triple Crown in recent memory. So he's just got a lot going for him. But I, you know, as a favorite to me, uh, it, it's not the it's not a great bet because of what, are the, you know, the factors I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Boy, everybody loves him. Lone Sailor is a 50 to 1. No chance? No, I wouldn't say no chance. I wouldn't say no chance. I, I don't. I doubt he's going to win the race, but I certainly would. If you're betting any trifectas or superfectas, he's a closer who uh, certainly could show up late to pick up a little piece of the of the puzzle. Gotcha. Or the super as like, I was listening to gambling, uh, all the Kentucky Derby coverage yesterday, live on their Facebook page where they were talking about like how to bet and how to gamble. And yeah, I'm like, now I've got to play that in my super, uh, like you didn't lose enough money before. I I know, I know. Uh, Hoffberg is in the nine spot at 20 to one. And for some reason, this horse is really intriguing to me. Yeah, I would, I'm going to say he's probably the wise guy horse this week. There's always one horse that gets a lot of attention um, for some reason. Now, I will say that Bill Mott is his trainer, and he is just one of the classiest, best trainers ever. 
Um, he's the youngest person ever inducted into the Hall of Fame and deserves every bit of all the accolades he gets. He, and he, does, he will not bring a horse to the Derby unless they can compete in it. So he does, he's not one of those trainers who you know, takes their owners on a ride to just to go show up at the Kentucky Derby. Boy, he and he needs a win. He's not. He's been there it. seven times and not won. He needs a win, Bill Mott. Oh, I mean, his his best finish is eight. But what I'm saying is, he hasn't been in the Kentucky Derby in almost a decade because mm-hmm. he he doesn't go unless he has the horse, and he has a very nice, although lightly raced horse in Hofburg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three starts, one win, one second. Uh, number ten, my boy Jack. The DeSormo boys. Back he's another one. Yeah. He's the cheapest, uh, cheapest uh, colt in the field. $20,000 at auction. And in Keith DeSormo, his trainer, you know, did this with Exaggerator a couple years ago. He had a horse that Exaggerator was like $100,000, which is not that expensive, especially when you look at the prices for this field. Um, and, and Exaggerator finished second. Uh, so this horse is a dead closer he will probably be last of the 20 so he's going to have to go around 19 other horses to win the odds of that happening are not very good but i guarantee you he is going to be steaming home in the stretch and passing tired horses possibly hitting the trier the super okay okay now number 11 is one that we all love and um we talked a lot about coming up to the breeders cup and that's bolt de oro uh, talk to us a little bit about him. Yeah. He's an eight to one. And and honestly, you know, he couldn't he couldn't be looking any better. He if Justify wasn't in the Santa Anita Derby, you know, he would have won that race pretty easily. And he might even be the favorite in the Kentucky Derby. So if you like him, and I do, I think he's just a really cool racehorse. Uh, you know, that always shows up and is very competitive and very talented. It would not be a surprise at all if he won the Kentucky Derby. Mm-hmm. I agree. Twelve enticed, thirty to one. I can't. I, he's just one of those horses that I don't have a lot to say about. <laughs> Honestly, okay. I, 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 he, I just don't. I don't see it. I mean, I think he's kind of an also ran. Okay, Bravazo, <laughs> thirteen fifty to one. Calumet. Yeah, Farm. I mean. Yeah, and Dwayne Lucas, and uh, last night at the trainer's dinner, he was. He said, "You know, I'm 82 years old now, and and I, I'm more realistic about my chances in the Derby these days." <laughs> <laughs> Which means, uh, I think that kind of <laughs> said it all. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I think it does. And Tyson and Bravazo are going to be having drinks on uh, on the uh, backstretch on the way around. They're going to be partying. Yep. <laughs> now another one is Scat Daddy's babies in the race is the yeah. fourteen Mendelssohn, and I think you mentioned him earlier. Yeah, I mean, this guy is he okay? So Justify is the favorite, and he's won. You know, he's competed three times at, on the same track. Mendelssohn, in his short career, has competed on three continents already. <laughs> to me, that is very impressive. He won the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. He shipped to Dubai and won the UAE Derby by 19 lengths, destroying the field. Now, there was a rail bias and so forth there, and the track was playing to speed. So people are going to knock him for that. And the biggest problem with Mendelssohn is 
We just haven't even heard anything or seen him. He's still in quarantine. So <laughs> we don't get a chance to see him until, t- yeah, until tomorrow morning. And so we've, we've looked at Justify. I want to look at Mendelssohn before, before I make my final decision. But to this point, he has been my pick and remains my pick until proven otherwise. Gotcha. Well, we're running out of time. Let's hit another one of the favorites, Magnum Moon, as in the 16. Yeah, I think that's not a great post for him. He he tends to drift in the stretch. He drifts to the right towards the grandstand, and he did it in the Arkansas Derby, and that's not going to be a very good situation in the Kentucky Derby if he does that again. I I'm not I'm, I'm I have him in the second tier of of the contenders. I don't I don't put him on top. Although he's, you know, obviously undefeated and a very good horse. I watched that race and I've watched one of his and his jockey went to the whip on the right side. Okay. Hits him like four times and he scoots to the left. Then the jockey switches the whip, hits him on the left side and he scoots way to the right. I'm like, stop hitting him. You're making him run out to the side in my opinion, but that's a whole whip. That's a good observation, and I don't think it was the greatest ride. And you know, I, I just think he's not the one, but he is obviously very good. And he's, you know, Todd Pletcher has four in here, and they're all pretty good. Yeah, Todd Pletcher, he he wants it. So let's let's move it. Just tell me, kind of, what you're thinking right now in your favorite, and all the way to like three or four. Well, I think that Mendelssohn. Again, I haven't seen him yet, but he's the fastest horse, I think, in this field. You know, Justify is right there. But I love the way Mendelssohn strides, the way he was striding in the stretch of the UAE Derby. I just think he's a special colt, and I'm going to stay with him, you know. And then Justify, of course, is right there, just based on what we talked about. But I think the two, okay, I'll give you the three other horses that I am keen on that are longer shots. And that is uh, good magic. As I mentioned at 12 to one uh, bolt Doro at, at eight to one. And then the other one we haven't talked about at all is Vino Rosso. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the other Pletchers who's by Curlin out of a street crime there. And Johnny Velasquez who's won two Kentucky derbies, chose him over the other three Pletcher horses. Uh-huh. And the reason wow. he chose him is because, because, he really wants the distance. There's no doubt. If he doesn't win the Kentucky Derby, watch out in the Belmont State. This horse wants to run a long way. So I like Vino Rosso as an upset pick. Scott, I always pick a 50 to 1, and sometimes I actually win. So uh, if, if I had to pick my 50 to 1 this year, who would it be? Um, you sometimes win. You one time? Remember. One time. Yep. <laughs> That's more than I usually win. Uh, I would say the most likely candidate among the long shots to hit the board or possibly even upset would be my boy, Jack. My boy, Jack. Okay. Got it. Glenn's I'm writing notes. that down. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> I just wrote that down. <laughs> well, Scott, thank you so much. And I just want to say as a fan of yours that I really miss your podcast and I hope you can find time after this triple crown. Everything slows down to get a couple more episodes done. Cause they just, my favorite thing to listen to. So I do appreciate you coming on and talking to us again. We'll talk to you. Hopefully we can get you on again, Preakness Belmont ish time and uh, cover all of this. 
I really, really love having you on. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate it. Appreciate the comments, and uh, I love how, you know being on and anytime. Thanks, Scott. All right. And of course, it's the Pollock Report. You will go right. there for all the coverage. You guys probably have fifty-five people there this weekend, so um, you'll be seeing all kinds yeah. of posts all yeah, week. We're we're a small team. <laughs> we're a handful <laughs> of people, uh, but no, we, uh, I appreciate it. And we, you know, not to to get braggadocious, but we we do a really good job covering it. No, you do the best job covering it. I appreciate it. Go for pictures and articles to the Pollock Report all through this week, the whole week leading up to it, for the most exciting two minutes in the year on Saturday. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thanks. Sounds good. <clears throat> oh my gosh, I have so much homework to do. Okay, so so we'll give our picks on Friday, but we need Jemmy's picks now uh, because I, hopefully she was paying attention. Maybe I think not. She, she a little bit. Sleeping. She was writing me notes. So, Jemmy, okay. <laughs> I'm writing this down. Yes. What are your top three? Okay. All right. So let's remind well, everybody: if you weren't right. at the beginning of the show, Jemmy has never watched a horse race in her life, let alone <laughs> the Kentucky Derby. Nothing. I know absolutely nothing. So, so this means I had to go it, with. You've got to bet this. Whatever she says, bet it because yeah. she's going to have beginner's luck. <laughs> All right. So my company, I have a, it's called Flintstone Media. So I thought, let me go with the theme and honor my company and go with the theme of setting things on fire. So I thought Forense Fire sounded good. So, and, I, and then when I heard more about him, I was like, ooh, you know, he, listen, this is where I start to sound like I, I and try to sound like I know what I'm talking about. Um, he's going to be against the rail. He's, it's the first derby for the owner, the trainer, and the jockey. And guys, I love an underdog. So I'm going with Forense Fire as one of my picks. Okay. Hilarious, though, is that the- all of those things actually count against him. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Go ahead. So I know. I know, but I love an underdog. It's, that's exactly Well, you picked point. the underdog, that's for sure. The next one, with less of an explanation, is Flame Away. Honestly, just because of the name, I thought it was cool. I see so a the fire thing the going here. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, has nothing to, there are only two on the list with the fire theme name, so I decided instead to go with the name of one of my favorite composers, Mendelssohn. So I chose Scott's pick, which, uh, which ironically enough, um, is a good one. So Mendelssohn, so I, I guess I picked the worst pick and the best pick, but hopefully somewhere in between I win. <laughs> is it bad that I didn't know Mendelssohn was a composer? Is that bad? Yes. <gasps> <laughs> I guess it's bad. <laughs> so so here's the thing. You've got a 50 to 1, a 30 to 1 and a 5 to 1. If that trifecta yep, pick fits, if that trifecta comes in, that's like $40,000. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you would win. You. Everybody put $2 on that try because that's insanity <laughs> if that comes in. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah, if okay. that comes in, Jimmy's buying dinner for everybody. The whole audience. I'm, I'm writing this down. Risk, guys, I don't have to play the game. <laughs> I have to bet this. Uh, let's see. One, four, see, Forensic Fire, Mendelssohn, and Flame and Away. Flame Away. Okay, got it. Yeah, All right, know, I have I it written down, Jemmy. Welcome. We'll see how you do You're on Saturday. Welcome. Remember, you have to watch. This is now a requirement of your job. I will, I promise. Okay. I put, 
Glenn, I put it on my list. You know how important that is. Okay. <laughs> I know. She has lists a mile long. Well, she'll be lucky <laughs> she ever sees it again. So. <laughs> all right. Well, that was good. We, we're going to be talking more about this with live reports from all over the place. We are going to be talking a little bit of eventing, too, because... Uh, we have um, we have badminton. a re- the report coming in from badminton. One of one of our listeners is going to be reporting from badminton on the grounds on Friday, and then also we're going to have a couple of reports from Louisville. So uh, that's all coming up on Friday's show. And of course, really bad ads is back. So get your ads into Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. We're going to pick winners of the book packages from last month. So we'll be picking winners on Friday as well. It's been, it seems like forever since you and I have done really bad ads together. So mm-hmm. get. Get your entries in, Jennifer at horseradionetwork.com. Thank you, Jemmy. And we have the book, Exciting Things Happened. Remember at the end of last one, she was like in somebody's house and she got attacked, got hit in the head. And the last line was I'm basically. I'm the needles, Jamie. Yeah, I she know. called 911 and she said, I don't think the voice on the phone could hear me over the screaming of the floor. She was. <laughs> That's right. Screaming. All right, let me play the oh. opener and we'll hear the next chapter of the book. Equation is the first of the Cat and Wright mystery series written by Lisa Wysocki. It features Cat and Wright, a Tennessee Appaloosa horse trainer, Darcy Whitcomb, teenager with a trust fund, Bubba Henley, a budding juvenile delinquent, and John Gardner, a mysterious barn manager. And of course, there's Sally Blue. Thank you to the publisher Cool Titles for allowing us to read this book. If you want to read ahead, all four books in the series are available in stores and online everywhere or at lisawysaki.com. Chapter 26. I woke up in a high, narrow bed. Gray walls and a window with matching gray blinds completed the faux designer decor. Even noting the industrial gray tile floors, It took me a while to realize I was in a hospital. Well, you're finally awake, said the handsome man in the chair by the window. He was garbled in green medical scrubs and provided the only color in the room. You were lucky, you know. I could have argued the point, but didn't want to waste the energy. My left shoulder seemed to be immobilized under mounds of bandages, and it hurt like the dickens every time I drew a breath. He noticed my confusion. Your upper arm is broken along with a few ribs. You got a bash on the head for good measure. If the creep had hit you harder, you wouldn't be here now. I refrained from snapping that being here wasn't tops on my list of places to be, only because the alternative was unthinkable. Instead, I asked, the deputy? The man in the chair leaned back and closed his eyes. He looked just as good with his eyes closed as he did with them open. Martin is checking alibis for everyone in the county and for half of Nashville, he said. He will find whoever did this and he will get a conviction if if it's the last thing he does. He said to tell you that. For some reason, he thought it would make you feel better. It did. A lot. Water started running from my eyes. So he's not dead. The man opened his eyes and grinned. For the first time, I had an inkling of whom he might be. He was taller and leaner and darker and his chin wasn't quite as prominent. But otherwise, the resemblance was striking. Oh, no way, he said. My baby brother is tough. A little bash on the head's not going to slow him down, at least not for very long. By the way, I'm Brent, Brent Giles. I sniffed a few times and he handed me a Kleenex. I took it with a hand I could still use. I heard that before you passed out, you had sense enough to dial 911, said the deputy's brother. I vaguely recalled a red button in a voice. Martin came around just before the ambulance pulled up. I had a day off, so I came down to fix a window at Mama's house. Martin called me to come over and sit with you while he went off to find that hooded scumbag. 
I wish he'd gotten a doc to look him over. He's got a nasty lump on the side of his head, but he was just stubborn to get all out. And he just grabbed an ice pack from the ER and left. I heaved a sigh of relief that it wasn't the target deputy Giles was looking for. Brent said his brother had not gotten any better look at the hooded person than I had. We both apparently were in agreement that whoever it was was probably male, stocky of build, and right-handed. Because of strength and agility, the person was most likely less than 50 and very much possibly younger. The description fit a thousand people in Cheatham County alone. Where we differed was in the opinion of the attacker's height. Since I had spent most of my time on the floor looking up, I guessed he was about seven foot three. Allowing for my somewhat concussed state, I agreed to somewhere in the neighborhood of six feet to six foot two. The deputy, on the other hand, thought more in the neighborhood of five ten. Neither of us was in a position to be a good judge. I told Brent about my conversation with my attacker and my belief that he was speaking through some kind of voice synthesizer. I almost forgot to add the part about the basement medicine and Keith Carson's safety measurement measures for his kids. Brent said he'd fill his brother in as soon as Martin came in from questioning everyone he could think of to question. So what did you do? I asked finally. Bring out the horse sutures and sew me up? He grinned widely. Oh, no, I'm a small animal vet. I would have used canine clamps. Anyway, actually, by the time I got here, the ortho specialist by the name of Williams had already been in to see you. He said it's a clean break there in your upper arm. Apparently, the doc owns one of the horses in your barn. And he said to tell you he had a lawyer friend of his lined up for you should the need arise. I wasn't sure if the lawyer was to defend me or sue the person who smacked me. Either way, Doc Williams had a vested interest in keeping me sound and out of jail if he wanted Hillbilly Bob to go to the Nationals this summer. You have a lot of surface cuts and bruises. Nothing serious there. Most of the blood was from the rough edges of the rasp. Martin showed that thing to be nasty piece of metal. You'll be right as rain in a month or two. A month or two? Nope, I'm right enough to go home right now. I eased myself into the sitting position and the room suddenly turned upside down. Uh, I think maybe you should wait. Brent jumped up in alarm. You've suffered a concussion, a pretty severe shock, and you're barely out of anesthesia. You need to stay in bed here for at least a few days. Can't. I got into lunch appointment with a client tomorrow. She's coming down from Louisville. I don't mean to burst your bubble, but I don't think you're going to be up to having lunch with anyone tomorrow. I considered the statement and realized that it quite possibly was true. Well, then if I can't eat, I'll watch her eat. I really do have to meet with her. We're going over the new ad campaign for the show season. Deadlines are coming up and we need to make some decisions. She can come here and you can make decisions. Oh, no, not Agnes. You don't know Agnes. She's... Well, she's Agnes. If she showed up here, she'd probably have the nurses so confused they'd probably kill someone by mistake. No, really, Agnes does not need to come here. Okay, so I exaggerated. I was taught the difference between exaggeration and a lie was that a lie was done for selfish reasons and exaggeration was done for the good of all. It really was in everyone's best interest to keep Agnes away from the hospital and come to think of it, trust me on this, me too. Well, maybe you can go home tomorrow, said Brent. I hope he didn't think I was always this difficult. On the other hand, what did I care what he thought? Well, he was kind of cute. Promise me, he said, that you'll get someone to stay with you at your house and I'll see if they'll consider letting you go tomorrow. I hadn't asked exactly where I was, but the few times I'd been to the Cheetah Medical Center in Ashland City to visit a patient, it led me to believe I was now one of their guests. Even though I desperately wanted to get out of there, I knew deep down that I was better off staying put. But there was a vague idea that kept nagging at the back of my mind. Something important, something I couldn't quite catch. If I could just get into my own bed in my own house, I knew I could figure out what it was. You know, I joked, easing myself into the flat lump they called a pillow. 
this is one hell of a first date. Brent laughed. It was a good laugh. One that held a lot of promise. We'll make up for it later. I make great lasagna. Maybe you'll up, be up for it sometime next week. Well, gee, anyone who makes great lasagna was okay in my book. We made a date. Martin has told me a lot about you, he said. I didn't know if that was good or bad or if saying bad things about me would be good or if saying good things would be bad. It must be the medication. When you're up to it, I'd like to see your place. We have one other vet at the clinic where I work who treats large animals. Sometimes I get called in to assist, and I've got a few questions on working with horses that you could help me with. I suppose it allowed that I probably could. Good, was all he said. Do you really think I can leave tomorrow? He looked at me appraisingly. Well, it's not my decision. I'm sure there's a doctor around somewhere who can answer that for you. But if you're bound and determined to leave and you aren't running a fever, you're taking fluids well, and you can walk out of here on your own two legs, I think they'll probably let you go. The last requirement made me think. At the moment, a trip to the bathroom seemed equivalent to going on an African safari. And speaking of the bathroom, it was time to go. By the next morning, I could stagger woozily down to one end of the hallway and back, and I only fell into the wall once. Though I couldn't put my finger on it, kept coming. The thought that I couldn't quite put my finger on kept coming onto the outer reaches of my brain, only to whisk itself away like a leprechaun who didn't want to be caught. Doc Williams reluctantly released me only after I promised to go directly home to eat, sleep, and do nothing. I agreed to it all just to get out of there, and I finally made the call I'd been dreading for days. John picked me up in the middle of an early afternoon rain and had enough sense to remain gracious about recent events. I know he was furious with me for leaving him to take care of the barn and also for getting so involved in events over at Fairbanks. I also knew that his fury originated in concern and that when it came right down to it, I was just glad he was just glad I was all right. Of course, he'll never admit all that, but I knew it anyway. I counted my steps as John carefully led me from the car to my bedroom. 28. All so very painful. I lay on my bed with a feeling of intense relief. I'd recently spurged and splurged and redecorated the room in shades of pale yellow and deep plum, and I loved it. I had every intention of calling Deputy Giles the minute I got settled into bed to find out what was going on, but before I knew it, I was sound asleep. <laughs> 